0: The Trilogy Podcast with Vin and Scott. Three movies, two men, one podcast. Vincenzo, you come to me on the day of the podcast, and you tell me you want me to do some sort of funny sketch at the beginning.
1: Podfather, it's my favorite movie of all time. You have to do a sketch.
0: What have I ever done to
1: deserve such disrespect from you? It's not disrespect. I think you just have to do a sketch because how important this trilogy is. Okay, you want to see something
0: funny? I'm going to put these oranges in my mouth.
1: Look, I think, <laughs> I think this actually is a sketch.
0: Mission accomplished. We did it.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, we are the Trilogy Podcast, the only podcast in the entire universe devoted strictly to trilogies. No reboots, no straight to cable. We're bringing you facts, trivia, debate, and more. To hell with the movie, if they made for Podfather. Bah, I'm Vin. I'm Scott. And we are really happy to be doing this episode, and Scott... If it isn't obvious by now, I think you should probably tell the ladies and gentlemen what trilogy we're doing.
0: Doing the Godfather Trilogy. Do it in your real voice. The Godfather Trilogy. All
1: right, the Godfather Trilogy, and holy shit, am I excited. This, Scott, is my favorite trilogy. Yes. It's my favorite movie of all time, the first movie, the original Godfather. Yes, The book that it's based upon is one of my favorite novels. I've been chomping at the bit. We've just hit the 30th anniversary of The Godfather Part 3. Coppola put out this new version, this, this coda that he's calling it, so we're doing it as a tribute to the end of this trilogy 30 years ago. Yes, It's so big, in fact, Scott, that this is actually going to be our first two-part episode
0: That's right. So that should be... Just like the two VHSs you had to rent when you wanted to watch this movie. Exactly.
1: It's an intermission and then more. Yes. To some degree. It's probably the most acclaimed of all the trilogies we're going to cover. I would imagine rivaled only by the Star Wars trilogy, the original Star Wars trilogy. And then when we eventually get to Lord of the Rings in terms of uh, awards won, acclaim, respect, that kind of thing. That's what truly makes it epic. Yeah. Yeah. It does indeed. So, this begins The Godfather Trilogy Part 1, and as always, we begin with our robot friend who tells the audience what kind of trilogy this is. We begin all of our trilogies this way, and it's upsetting a lot of the time, but informative. Yes. So, trilogy bot, why don't you tell us what kind of trilogy The Godfather is?
0: The Godfather is an epic trilogy, gigantic in scope, importance and storytelling these trilogies represent the pinnacle of the movie going experience and these grease balls are going to tell you all about them i didn't like the slurs no they, that i felt unnecessary really it did but as
1: always despite his cruelty the trilogy bot is correct this is an epic trilogy in terms of scope in terms of planning in terms of how the world perceives it. It's the kind of trilogy where, to fully appreciate it, you have to have seen each film, and they all connect in such a way that it's a grand presentation, a grand story. Right. And this is, winds up being, I think, the fifth epic trilogy we've done. Of course, we've done... Two of the Star Wars trilogies, um, Back to the Future and The Dark Knight. So this will be our fifth epic trilogy, and it's really exciting. We're going to get into your plots, Scott. The what plots? (laughs) The rhyme is always so wonderful. We're going to get into your plots, and I'm going to add a lot of information in this one. There's so much information to add when it comes to The Godfather. I'm going to try and shoot in some information about the book, some information about the deleted scenes some info about just the, the neat technical things and the acting things that we see in each of the scenes. So, yes, you know, we'll get a lot good. of information out there. Hopefully it's stuff you haven't heard. Some I'm sure you have heard. This is also one of the most talked about trilogies of all time, too.
0: Uh, but we'll try and enlighten you a bit. All right? So, Scott, I've given it enough fanfare. Just jump right in. Okay. So, uh, this are the Scott's Plots. Uh, and, um... Sorry, I'm not... Uh, it's just that, um... Uh, hmm. It's just said, uh, I'm a scout, and here's a plot. You want to know what happened in the movie? I'm a tell you and I'm Italian. A repeat, a doo bop, doo tappa di, pa Scatter, the plots. <laughs> plots,
1: delightful.
0: <laughs> that,
1: was, that was wonderful. Often I hate your song. This time, I completely support it. <laughs> wonderful.
0: It was very upbeat. It was Italian.
1: How Delightful, did you not like it? Wonderful stuff, my friend. All right. <laughs> break it down for us.
0: So this is Scott's Plots. Uh, what I do here uh, is I break down the plots for you. I don't use any character names, and I just give the general... Uh, events of the movie sort of a bare bones breakdown uh for those of you who have seen the movie and haven't seen it in a while so you'll get a little refresher and for those of you who have never seen it and just want to hear our delightful voices we've got you covered there too so you'll be on board with what's happening beautiful bellissimo buona Natale. don't get crazy don't get crazy all right okay so we started all off with the godfather 1972 in 1940s new york The soldier son of the don of an Italian crime syndicate arrives home from war with his non-Italian girlfriend to attend his sister's wedding, while his father listens to requests from well-wishers. Okay, so
1: we're at the wedding here, which might be the most iconic scene of all of the movies. And maybe the longest. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it really goes on for a while. Yeah. It's interesting because originally it was supposed to begin with the wedding, but because of how the director and screenwriter, Francis Ford Coppola, began Patton, you know, with uh, George C. Scott just sort of addressing the audience directly almost. Yes. That's how he decided he was going to begin this one, with Amerigo Bonasera looking at the camera and talking, ostensibly to to the godfather, but to us in a way, looking directly at the camera. So you get that amazing speech by Amarigo about his daughter, Only movie that guy's ever been in. Ah. Yeah. You have the wedding, and the wedding is really meant to set up all the characters and to give you a bit of their character traits, what they're about, to set the scene for what we're about to see. It's filmed in such a way that Francis Coppola actually said, have a wedding, have a party, and he just shot the vignettes around the wedding. You see young Tessio and Clemenza, the regimes of the family. Tessio, Abe Vagoda, he's dead. When this was filmed, he was like... How old
0: I am now in my R- 40s. Yeah. And you're, you're saying to yourself, how is that even oh, possible? Well, that's why, I mean, that's why everyone thought he was dead yeah. for years. Yeah. <laughs> Every time you were like, he's still alive? Yep. You see Clemenza dancing. He's a jolly
1: wedding dancer. He's described in the book. But we see when he talks to his uh, button man, Paulie, that he's no joke. He's like, he's like, what are you, a dance judge? Walk around, do your fucking job. We meet Sonny. With a wandering eye. He's at his sister's wedding, and he's already trying to make eyes with the uh, the maid of honor, for God's sake. Right. Tom Hagan. he's explained to his wife, you know, no Sicilian can refuse a request on his daughter's wedding day. By the way, that's completely made up. It's, there's no basis in truth to that. Yeah. Don't go to a Sicilian wedding and just think you can ask the father for a favor he,
0: he won't know what you're talking about. It just sounded like exposition. Yeah. Like, to make an excuse of why, like, well, why wouldn't he be at his daughter's wedding? Well, because uh, plot, that's why. <laughs> yeah, exactly,
1: exactly. <laughs> we meet, of course, the other supplicants that come to the Godfather for favors. Nazarene the baker, whose son-in-law Enzo will play a bit of a part later on, an important part. I think it's also worth mentioning, too, the whole scene with Luca Brazzi, because Luca Brazzi is rehearsing the lines he's going to say to the Godfather. They did that because the guy that they hired to play the part, Lenny Montana was a professional wrestler, was a real ex-Mafia bodyguard, and he couldn't get the dialogue down. So when he comes in, he's like, on the day of your... On your daughter's, on the day of your daughter's wedding. That's really him fucking up. Yeah. It's not like he's acting there. They actually had to accommodate his poor acting for the sake of the film. He seems a little punch drunk. But, you know, one of the main issues, of course, is going to be the idea of Michael. Off to himself, shows up late. That famous shot where he's talking about his father's business was actually filmed at night because they were running out of time during the day. So that's all lights around. And that was shot at night where he's talking to Kay about the whole thing with the band leader, that whole story. Oh, wow. Uh, Which is kind of cool. And that was actually the screen test scene. When everyone screen tested for the part of Michael, they did that scene, talking about the idea of Luca Brazzi and the band leader and that whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's based, of course, on real mafia lore. Okay, it's one of the ways, and there's quite a few of them, where Mario Puzo mixes in real mafia lore with the film. Frank Sinatra had a contract with Tommy Dorsey who was a famous band leader in New Jersey and he wouldn't let him out of the contract even as Sinatra got more and more famous. Right. And so it was the gangster Willie Moretti who was one of Lucky Luciano's guys a New Jersey gangster who helped Lucky Luciano get illegal alcohol in through the ports of New Jersey that actually did this. Put a gun to his head and said you're going to release him from this contract. Yeah. So it's a real story. Michael's trying to sort of ease Kay in with little anecdotes and things. He can't come right out and say my father's the biggest mafia don in all of the country. It's worth mentioning, though, Scott, that a major part um, was filmed and cut when they go to the bedside of the dying Genko Abandando. Now, Jenko is the real consigliere of the family. Hagen takes over for him. They cut a scene where the godfather goes to Jenko's bedside because right after the wedding, they're like, Jenko's not going to last the night. We have to say goodbye to him. Yeah. So the Godfather brings all of his sons and Johnny Fontaine directly from the wedding to the guy's dying bedside. He's dying of cancer. And it's really quite a moving scene. They had to cut it for time. They put it back in when they did whatever, the TV version or whatever. Right. And he's basically saying to the Godfather, I'm asking you to save my life. That's the favor that I want from you. And the Godfather's kind of looking at him like, I have power, but I can't do that. Right. And it's quite beautiful in the book. The Godfather ushers everyone out of the room. And he holds the hand of, like, his dying friend so they can, they can greet death together. Like, it's, yeah. they'll take your breath away. So that's an
0: important, I think, a great scene that wound up having to get cut there before Tom flies out to Hollywood. One of the requests to the Don is from a popular singer who wants the Don to convince a Hollywood studio head to let the singer star in his new film. The Don sends his adopted lawyer son to handle it, but when the studio head refuses, they cut off his horse's head. This is iconic, the whole yes. movement in Hollywood. The horse's head in the bed. Yeah. You know, he's giving favors
1: to these people. And we see through the course of the movie that they all have to repay the favor. They all do. All the three people repay the favor in one way or another. Everyone you
0: see comes back in some way. Exactly.
1: Bonacera prepares Sonny's body. Right. Nazarene's son-in-law helps Michael out in front of the hospital. And Johnny Fontaine, later on, agrees to perform when they go to Vegas. And they kind of reinforce that idea of... The family. And the idea that you're never getting something for nothing. Right. He is going to come back and ask you to help in some way. Right. You know, and that's just the mafia way. And that
0: may never come. (laughs) No, it will (laughs) come. It'll come. It'll come, I said it may
1: never come. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, so he's in Hollywood, right? And we get a completely different vibe from the dark wedding and everything. It's all bright and shining. Really filmed on the Paramount back lot to save some money. We hear the Manhattan Serenade song come in. Really cool. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Another thing that's cut, there's a whole backstory that goes on with Jack Woltz and that he's a pedophile. And that there's a little girl, you see him kind of greeting her before he meets Hagen. Later on, when Hagen goes back to the the house, right before he leaves, he looks up and up on the landing is the little girl and she's all bloody and shit. And her mother kind of like ushers her away so that Hagen can't see her. Oh. And it's like, that's another one of the main reasons that the Godfather's, like, disgusted by him. A couple of just minor character things. Kagan can't believe that something like a sexual relationship would influence this guy's power. It's like, that's something that the Godfather never even thinks about. Relationships between men and women have nothing to do with power. Right. Like, there's a real undercurrent of sexism, I think just because of the time in the 40s when it's written. Because of the book, um, the Godfather says something like, women are not a factor in this world, though they'll certainly be saints in heaven while we men burn in hell. Which I think is a cool little yeah. way of reflecting the, the mindset of powerful men at the time. Right. Also, Hagen just sits there and eats those insults because that's the way the Godfather would do it. You never show you're angry. Yeah. You always play it cool. And whose flaw was that? That was Sonny's flaw.
0: I would argue that that Wolves. he's doing it because of, you know of, uh, of a woman, basically. But it's also the fact that she's uh, you know an investment, right? Yeah. That like he was like, I was going to make her a big star. Singing and now- lessons, dancing lessons, acting lessons. <laughs> She was gonna be a star. Running lessons, jogging <laughs> lessons, talking lessons, every kind of lesson, lesson lessons. She could ride a bike, she knew how to ride a skateboard, she was a horsewoman, handwriting lessons, <laughs> she knew how to do nails, she trained as a geisha, <laughs> kung fu.
1: <laughs> there was some backlash at the time because, oh, they, because they used a real horse's head, but they got it from
0: a pet food company. So it's not like they killed a horse for the movie. Right. If anything, they saved that horse's head from being turned into dog food.
1: No, oh, I don't know if that's...
0: <laughs> I'm sure they didn't give it back to them it, after. They right? had like... to actually
1: paint it to look like Khartoum. Like when they, yeah, when they when they show the ho- the living horse.
0: But we're, I mean, are we to believe that Hagen cut this horse's head off, or someone else did? This? Nah, it's described in the book right. that he paid one of
1: Waltz's men to do it. And, and there's a whole thing, a whole internalization by Waltz where he's like, this obscure Italian importer of olive oil would have him killed. Actually, have him killed because of a movie part. Like he can't conceive of it. Yeah, and he's like, a man like this, it's above right. it's above my world of power. It's it's a level of power that I, I'm not in. Like he realizes it.
0: Yeah. And then as a result, Johnny gets the parts. So. Well, and you know, in the Godfather video game, it's it's you who, who cuts the horse's head off, I believe. I think you're right. I think that's I think one of your right. early on missions. It's <laughs> like Tom Hagen's like, go cut that horse's head off. You're like, oh, okay. Like, Pick up the axe. I picked up the yeah. axe. Press X to cut off horse's head. Later. A drug dealer backed by the other crime syndicates asks for the Don's investment and protection of his drug business, and the Don declines. Meeting with Solazzo. Sonny making the fatal error of speaking up during that meeting. Yeah, You can't do it. You can't let people outside the family know what you're thinking. Come on. What does he even say? Hey, I, I I couldn't even catch anything that it's like, it's not like you gave anything away. Well, I mean, he, he says, stopped you in time, Well, he obviously. basically says, he's
1: like, you're telling me that the Tayos will guarantee our investment. And then he cuts him off. Yeah. So the idea is, Salato is made to think that he can do business with Sonny. That right. if he takes the Don out of the picture, he can do business with Sonny. Right. Yeah. But look, this mimics the real mafia once again. Another real mafia example. This has been a constant conflict in the world of the real mafia. Do we get involved with drugs? Right. The the penalties for drug dealing are so high that people will turn. They'll break omerta, the code of silence, and they'll turn against their family. And I think this is uh, one of the first times we see the oranges. How the oranges always foretell death around the corner. Right. And that is just an ongoing motif in all of the the Godfather films. And then in the future, other mafia movies and TV shows, for God's sake, Tony
0: Soprano, when he's shot at in the first Sopranos season, is holding a thing of orange juice. Yeah. The bullet hits the orange juice. So The Don sends one of his enforcers to spy on the drug dealer, and the enforcer is strangled to death. (laughs) (laughs) poor Luca yeah and
1: that strangling is so fast and smooth too it really contrasts Clemenza's half-assed strangling of Carlo later where he kind of struggles with a rope yeah in this one it's like zoom. oh by the way George Lucas created Zotrope with Francis Ford Coppola right they work together and he looks at Coppola as his mentor so as a tribute to The Godfather when Leia
0: strangles Jabba the Hutt. It's a direct ah. allusion to the strangling of Luca Brazzi. And then they, they worked on Captain EO together. The Michael Jackson thing? Um, yes. Did they really? It's directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Really? And George Lucas like produced it. The drug dealer then kidnaps the adopted lawyer's son and attempts to assassinate the Don. The Don survives and the drug dealer releases the adopted lawyer Pressuring him to make a deal with the Don's hothead son, the godfather handling oranges before he's gunned down
1: in the streets of Little Italy.
0: Fredo, I got some oranges. (laughs) Okay, pop. Okay,
1: Okay, pop. Okay, A cool thing about that particular scene is that when Willis did the cinematography, he made it clear that he wanted every shot in the movie to be a point of view shot. So that's why there's no helicopter shots or any of that bullshit, right? right? As if you're a bystander on the street. Eye-level shots. But in that scene, you see it from overhead. And Willis fought with Coppola about that. Coppola said, that's God's point of
0: view. Mm." How about it's somebody looking out their window?
1: And Fredo's crying. You know, and we really, because Fredo, all we see in the wedding scene is that he's drunk and kind of goofy. So this, you really see his weakness. He drops the gun. He can't fire back. Fumbling. Fumbling. And then it's the whole crying. It's really quite a great dramatic moment. His hands through his hair. Papa! Yeah. You know? I also want to mention that a cool thing from the book is that when Salazzo learns that the Godfather has survived the, the shooting, it, it's very clear that he means to kill Hagen and that Hagen has to plea for his life.
0: That's why it's weird in the movie, just before they're about to let him go, he finds out that he's alive yeah. and he's like, oh, he's alive. Well, and yeah. lets him go anyway. I'm like, why wouldn't you just hang on to him at that point and go, right. all right, plan B. The
1: whole idea of them sitting around in the compound trying to figure out what to do next. We get a real sense that Michael is still an outsider. They don't want him to be directly involved. And we get the iconic Luca Brazzi sleeps with the fishes. When Sonny finds out that his father has been shot, he's got to control that temper. There's like a big whole cut moment, which again, I believe is in one of the versions where Sonny has to go tell his mother. She just kind of stops and she goes, have they shot him again? Because this has happened to him before. In the book, we've learned he's been shot in the past, The Godfather. Right, and Sonny, like goes into the office, and he like won't sit in his father's chair like he doesn't feel like he can assume the, the role of his father like it's a really it's quite a beautiful series of moments, yeah, and also it's made clear too that he's got to discover who the turncoat is in the movie we saw. he just knows it's polygato, and it's right. just made clear it's polygato, but he doesn't know whether it's Polly or Clemenza, so he actually calls someone on the payroll that's on the, in the phone company, and he figures out from different phone calls. That on the days that Paul Ligato called out sick, we see that he, he's sick or whatever.
0: Right. He's actually at a phone booth near like the Tattalia headquarters or whatever. Yeah. So that's how you figure out that it's Paul Ligato. That's why a lot of times, and I mean, I, I'm sure it's shit that's cut from the book and made simpler for the movie, but it does seem like they just know. Or like, yeah. I, I, like I know it's this guy because right. I just fucking know. Yeah. And that Because had it, to be it makes the most sense.
1: Yep. So winds up being gatto Leave the gun. Take the Cannolis. Right. Completely improvised by
0: Richard Costello um, as Clemenza. And it's just I mean, such an Italian moment. The idea of the Cannolis or whatever? Take the Cannolis. Yeah. Especially right before, you've seen the conversation, of like, make sure you get the Cannolis. Like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay. by the way, that's his real that was his real girlfriend at the time. While in the hospital, there is another attempt on the Don's life, but the soldier's son foils it. But has his jaw broken by a crooked cop working for the drug dealer, and Michael, for the
1: first time, begins to show that he's—you know—the book really describes it: like an icy cold rage at his father's enemies that they would dare come to the hospital. Right, he begins to go from this uh, college boy to like a member of the family.
0: Yeah. Especially getting like knocked out by that cop too. You're like, fuck the police. (laughs) Like, fuck the law. You got
1: to laugh because how many action movies we see where a guy gets punched in the jaw 87 fucking times and he's perfectly fine. In this movie, Michael takes one to the jaw. He's devastated for the rest of the movie. He's got a sinus infection. He's he's
0: mutilated. He's like, jaw's wired shut. They really wired his jaw. That's crazy. Yeah, they really wired his jaw for the scenes afterward. It seems like when people get punched in these movies, it's like, I don't know if it's more realistic, but they seem like they get fucked up. Even oh, the yeah. times when like Connie gets hit or something, you're like, geez, like it's it's a lot of it's, damage. That's it's realism, right? Right. I mean, but like get... most movies, it's like, oh, I have a light, you know, yeah. <laughs> black eye. <and laughs> or
1: nothing has happened.
0: Yeah. Or a tiny cut on my <laughs> cheek after like falling out of a building. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And he gets punched and his whole fucking head is wired shut. <laughs> Like he can't walk. In the next shot he's like <laughs> limping. So like, oh I did something with my inner ear there. Now oh I'm falling <laughs> all over myself. You got high-voiced Pacino yeah. there. That's the high-voiced era of Pacino. Yeah. He didn't smoke 10 million cigarettes yet. <laughs> exactly. Do 27 lines of Coke in a row yeah. or whatever Pacino did in the 70s. And also Pacino becomes like Southern and as an old man. Like his voice gets like, yeah, I heard about that. The soldier's son agrees to meet with the cop and the drug dealer, murders them both, and escapes to Italy. Okay. So you got the great scene where Michael fully becomes a member of the family
1: where he says, Says to Sonny, I'll kill them both. The whole thing. This
0: guy who, that was my, that's my family, Kay. That's not me. And then all of a sudden. You see Sonny say,
1: bada bing, you blow his brains all over your nice Ivy League suit. Yeah. Bada bing, of course, is the inspiration for the Sopranos strip club. Yeah, Pop culture, right? We really get into the theme right in here, Scott, and it's brought about through much of the movies, is that it's business, not personal. The whole thing where Michael shoots the two of them okay up until this point there was a good chance that al pacino was going to get replaced in this part the studio was not impressed by his performance and they're like he doesn't do anything yeah they didn't like want him to be playing the part in the first place but after that scene where he's violent where he does something they're like okay he's good he
0: throws that gun away good
1: yeah, he does right <laughs> meanwhile is like just drop the gun everyone will still think you
0: have it he doesn't drop
1: it he kind of flings it he kind of yeah. kind of whips it like we see you drop the gun
0: Yeah, like it's like a knee-jerk, like, oh
1: shit, I'm supposed to drop this. (laughs) It's like, what are you talking about?
0: I almost forgot. He's like, I just want a reassurance that you're not going to go after my father again.
1: No, Salato is always going to go after his father. That's always been a part of it. He's lying to Michael's face through the entire thing. Right. The whole key is that he has to get rid of the godfather. It really succeeds because you hear that elevated train in the background, and that's like the blood pumping in Michael's head like I got to do this. I got to do this. And it's yeah. like it's you know the c- crescendos are right right at the right. exact moment, right? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. a very
0: effective scene yeah. in my opinion. Meanwhile, war breaks out between the crime syndicates and the hothead is in charge while the don recovers. And that whole montage
1: with the uh, newspapers and that whole thing where they have they're playing the piano in the background, the sad mm-hmm. piano dirge. That was directed by George Lucas. Yeah. And the guy playing the piano is Francis Ford Coppola's
0: real father. The hothead's sister is beaten by her husband, and the hothead beats him up and threatens to kill him if he does it again. At that point in the movie, they were threatening Francis
1: Ford Coppola that there wasn't enough violence in the movie, and they were going to bring in a violence director. Oh, really? So on his own, they created that insane scene where Connie is just destroying the house. It was never supposed to be that way. Yeah. She's breaking things on the breaking vases and shit. It's it's ridiculous. It's really crazy. And that's kind of a neat scene where he beats up Carlo in the street too, preceding that. There's the famous phantom punch in that scene where clearly one of those punches doesn't land and Carlo reacts to it. Yeah.
0: When you're looking hard, it's It's, it's a little sloppy. Oh, it's really sloppy. Yeah.
1: And a lot of it is improvised. For example, it's um, James Caan that had the idea to take a broomstick handle and just wing it
0: at him when he gets out of the limo. When the husband beats her again, the hothead rushes over. Only to find it was a setup, and he is gunned down at a toll booth. <sighs> Boy, is that a sad piece of business there? Yeah, I mean, it is where is, is sad. that toll booth? Yeah,
1: seriously, does that look like any toll booth you've ever N- seen? No. In, your, in your life in New York? No, I think it. I think it was actually shot like on an air landing strip right. or something. It looks weird. It looks really weird. That was the most squibs ever put on a human being in movie history. Yeah, and there's an anecdote where the guy who puts the squibs on says to. James Kahn like, I've never put this many squibs on someone. And Con's like, should you really have told me that right now? <laughs> <laughs> that final kick that they kind of give to Sonny in the face after they shoot him down is supposed to mirror how he kicked
0: um, Carlo when he beat his ass in the street. Right. It's kind of like a tit for tat sort of a thing. Meanwhile, the soldier's son hiding out in Italy meets a girl, falls in love, marries her, and then she blows up in a car bomb meant for the soldier. Okay. And this is
1: where the book and even the movie kind of shows how Michael even more becomes like his father. Somehow going to Sicily cements it for him, like the way these people live, the way his father grew up. Right. You know, seeing the... The rawness, the uh, the the savageness of, of of
0: Sicily. Well, it's even in the, the third movie too, when he takes Kay around, and he's yeah. like, "Let me show you, and you'll understand." Uh, I don't my really, family. I don't really understand. I mean, it just it's nice no. scenery. I don't. Yeah. But I, it's a beautiful country. The people is shit. <laughs> yeah, really. They're like, awful.
1: They're they're terrible. I'm Italian, and they're <laughs> terrible. <laughs> and there's the bodyguards Fabrizio, who will play a part later as the one that sets him up, sets up. The, the car bombing, yeah. Okay, his bodyguard and Callo, who will meet again in a third movie. They show the Sicilian wedding, just lots of just brass bands all all through Sicily. Every there's a brass band for every occasion, yeah. Uh, just it, they just appear, they
0: just they're just waiting for you at a house and, as you arrive, yeah. And they every play time. terrible
1: music that sounds kind of awful. And you're like, oh,
0: this is Sicily, yeah. the music is raw too. It's all very- anytime anybody leave or come into the house, we got to play the big brass band.
1: But another important thing is he dances with um his new wife and we see that trend happen like it's connected through all the movies, Michael dancing with the women he loves. Yeah. It's it's foreboding. It's like these are these are women that he's dancing with, they'll have to betray that will die right. in some way, right? Once the car bomb explodes, Michael still has to stay in Sicily for like a couple of months. When he recovers from being knocked out from the explosion, he looks up at Don Tomasino in the book and he says, the man that brings me Fabrizio will have the finest
0: pastures in all of Sicily. The Don, distraught over his hothead son's murder and wanting no more bloodshed, calls a meeting with the other crime syndicates and ends the feud. Assume that the only reason he's making the peace at this point is to get Michael home
1: safely. He knows that they're hot on the trail because of the bombing of Michael and Sicily. Right. And then later on, when he's like, oh, Hagen can't have anything to do with this, it's because Hagen is a part of the meeting where the Don
0: swears that he'll never be the one to break the pact that's been made. Right. So it'll be Michael. That
1: breaks the, the truce. Right.
0: The soldier's son returns home, marries his non Italian girlfriend, and is made the new Don as the old Don's health is declining. I mean, listen, he's given Kay some real bullshitty double talk in that scene. Yeah. And there's a big part
1: of the book where Kay's parents are like, look, he's he killed two people. Yeah. So maybe you should find another boyfriend. Right. You he's know. A, a murderer. Maybe yeah. start dating. For God's sake, you know, <laughs> maybe move on, you know? But I mean, at, at this point when he's given Kay this whole justification of his father's lifestyle and his life and the mafia life, we see his his
0: change completely. We see that he's the dynamic character in the movie. He is the titular godfather rather than uh, uh, Don Vito. No question about it. Yeah. No question about it. It's a showy
1: part where Brando puts in a mouthpiece and he has a funny voice and he wins best actor. And we get that, but ultimately
0: the story is about Michael. So would you say? I mean, it's a lot like Bane in in the Dark Knight trilogy. You know, he puts in a mouthpiece, he has a different voice. Come on, where was his Oscar nomination? Oh, you God. know, Scott. The- I'll make him an offer he can't refuse. Can't believe what I'm hearing right Batman. now, Batman. <coughs> Wait, should I go the other? I'll go the other way. Hold on, hold on, hold on. All right. Gotham, take back your city
1: (laughs) Please stop You know what, I shouldn't do this to you I gave you a hard time during Dark Knight so you can have this Again, we hear Michael talking about the idea of going legitimate for the first
0: time As he plans to kill every single person in the movie The adopted lawyer and the fuck-up son are sent to Las Vegas to watch over their casino investments And later, when the soldier's son attempts to purchase the casino, the owner insults him and refuses to sell. Ah, Mo Green. Ah, Mo Mo Green. Green.
1: Alex Rocco. Mo Green, of course, based upon um, Bugsy Siegel. Yeah. I mean, without question. It's referenced almost directly in the second movie, because Hyman Roth is based upon Meyer Lansky, and they were partners in the real mafia. Um, And you know, another part that's taken out is the the character of Al Neary, okay, Michael's Right hand man. There's a whole thing in the book explaining who Al Neri is, that he is a cop that became disgusted with like how there wasn't real justice with the police, where he actually saw a pimp kill a prostitute. He killed the pimp and he was actually put in jail. And it was Michael that got him freed from jail. And he was like, why should I give my love to like a system that doesn't make any sense when I could give it to a man that did right by me? Yeah. And so Neri almost becomes his Luca Brazzi. That's how it's described in the book. And then he's dressed as a cop later. Yeah. That's the whole thing. He uses his old cop uniform yeah. as a way of killing Barzini. Okay. I have to say this the only part of the book that is never made into the movie is the whole Vegas backstory. Johnny Fontaine has a whole story about how, like, his life now improves. He gets the part in the movie, becomes a real big shot in Hollywood. And there's a character that's eliminated completely from the movie named Nino Valenti, which is his singing partner when he was a a boy in, in New York. Yeah. And how he's also the Godfather's real godson, just like Fontaine is. And Nino is a, an alcoholic. And Nino is kind of a self-destructive guy that like could be making all these millions of dollars in the movies with Johnny, and he just self-destructs in Vegas, just drinks himself to death. Yeah. At the same time, they meet Lucy Mancini, the girl that Sonny fucked, the maid of honor, right? who moves out to Vegas as well and has a relationship with a doctor named Jules Siegel. This is where it gets crazy. She misses Sonny a lot. She's almost suicidal because after Sonny's killed, she can't imagine a world without him. Not because of how loving he is. You're not going to believe this. But because... Her vagina is super, super big. And only Sonny's gigantic penis could fill her super giant vagina. Come on now. Yes. And so the doctor she meets, Jules Siegel, offers to give her vaginal surgery to tighten up her vagina. And then starts dating her and they
0: have a relationship. So he tightens up her vagina enough for his tiny penis? (laughs) Dude, he actually like tightens her vagina and then says something like... I'm going to tighten you up
1: and then, you know, give this thing a workout, like show ah. you what I can. it's really weird. And honestly, it's one of the reasons why Coppola was initially reticent to do this film because he he remembered this crazy Vegas part and it was like, what the f-?
0: Yeah. What is this?
1: I mean, I don't even understand how it connects to The Godfather. It shows that Sonny's dick was so big. It's really
0: weird. Yeah, th- that's why he w- yeah. acted however he wanted, because he had a huge penis? It's
1: really weird. Yeah. So that is completely cut out. There's no Nino Valenti character. The Lucy story's cut out. There's no Jules Siegel character at all. So, yeah, Puzo is a great storyteller, but not such a great writer, so he would include weird shit like this in a lot of his books. Yeah. You know, just a, he's just kind of a sleazy guy in a lot of ways. Yeah. So, yeah, really weird stuff in the Vegas world, all right? As it is, we basically just have Johnny in Vegas. And we have Freddy, who's been sent out there by the family to learn the casino business. Later, the Don has a heart attack and dies. Completely improvised scene. And this is where we really get the orange scene. He's fucking around with the grandson with the orange. We get that real, mm-hmm. that whole monster
0: thing. Like this is a daughter right. and grandfather, but underneath there's a monster here. At the Don's funeral, one of the Don's trusted men sets up a meeting between the soldier's son and one of the other crime syndicates. But... The soldier sees through this for the betrayal it is. Damn you, Tessio. Damn you. We loved you, Abe Vagoda. He was always smarter. Tessio was always smarter. On the day of the sister's kid's baptism, the soldier becomes the kid's godfather as his men kill all the heads of the crime syndicates, the casino owner, and the trusted man who betrayed him. Okay, so be aware
1: that in the book, it's not the heads of the five families. Cuneo, Stracci, they're not killed. It's just Barzini. It's Tattaglia with the whore in bed, Mm -hmm. but it's Fabrizio who was killed, and that's cut out of the movie. That's in again one of the extended versions. He uh, blows up Fabrizio. Fabrizio moves to the United States and has a pizza place in Buffalo, and Hmm. he he, he blows up Fabrizio. Okay, so that's kind of that's part of the killings, but it was never the heads of all the five families. That's just for the movie. Yeah, you know, they didn't. Seems like overkill. It does, right? What do those guys do? Just because they went along with the.
0: yeah. It's not clear what they did wrong. And you're really, I mean, I mean, I guess people would be back off after that because you killed all the heads of the five families, but also wouldn't they want to retaliate? Like all the all, families?
1: Right. I mean, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot.
0: Cause chaos in all the other families. We
1: know that the baby is a young Sophia Coppola in that scene. Ah. All right. Yay. For her there's a great line when tessio's killed where it says um it's a shame that a man so intelligent would make such a fatal mistake so late in life and that's why you know tessio's like can you get me off the hook for old
0: time's sake oh well you're supposed to trust the godfather there's supposed to be loyalty i guess so later the soldier meets with the sister's husband and gets him to admit his role in the hothead brother's murder and has the husband killed in the book describes that he, there's a fraction
1: of him that is not sure that Carlo is guilty, and he needs a confession over who contacted him, right. whether it be Detail or Barzini to right. just confirm it.
0: Yeah, it seems like any time he needs somebody to confess something, all he does is talk to them for five minutes and they just accidentally give it up or give it up immediately and that's his way it's of dealing with Hence sort of the things. power of the, the Godfather, like yeah. it, the
1: way they're just able to kind of move men around and in this internal strength that they have. The sister
0: accuses the soldier brother of murder and the non-Italian wife asks if it's true and the soldier lies and says no. And Michael receives a
1: benediction from the members of the family, Don Corleone. Like, it's so powerful. Yeah. That's where we get the first inkling of this, the yelling, Michael, too. Enough! It's my favorite movie of all time. I've seen everything based upon it, as you heard. Nah, from- it's
0: okay. Moving on to The Godfather, part two. The first numerical
1: sequel, in American film history.
0: 1974. In early 1900s Italy, we see a young version of the Don from the first one's family get murdered by an Italian Don and he escapes to America. They say he's got tuberculosis or whatever, but that X
1: in the Ellis Island times meant you were, had a mental problem. He's mentally ill. He keeps speaking some weird language to us. I don't know what this and, is. And you know, I never saw this in any trivia, so maybe this I'm the first person to realize this, but when they're coming on the boat on the Moshe and all the immigrants are like sadly looking at the Statue of Liberty... Yeah. It's green. But at the time, the Statue of Liberty was not green yet. It
0: right. was copper colored. Right.
1: I just thought that was neat that I realized that. I'm proud of
0: myself. Hey. I'm pretty proud of myself. I like that I noticed that. Hey, I know about the Statue <laughs> of Liberty. In 1950s Nevada, the soldier is throwing a communion party for his son and listening to requests... From well-wishers. And of course, this is going to be a parallel we see in all the movies.
1: A big party to begin. Right. Where we relearn what's going on with these characters now. But it's it's waning importance.
0: Each event is like, well, who cares about that? Well,
1: I think the biggest part of this is that we know that Michael is now established in Nevada as opposed to New York, trying to be legitimate. Clemenza's gone now, all right? In his place is Frank Pantangeli, who's taken over Clemenza's accounts. Right. And it's worth mentioning here also that Clemenza was supposed to come back. Richard Costello was supposed to come back, but there was—he had a problem with Coppola. This is unbelievable. He—he he wanted to write his own lines in this movie. What? Yeah. And so Coppola's like, uh, "No," because he wrote the one cannoli line. Thank you. <laughs> right. So they're like, "Fuck off!" And they brought in Pantangeli really to play his part. It's—it's it's right. the Clemenza part. Yeah, it really is. And they're wearing the black armbands, Willie Chi and Pantangeli. They reference it. Oh, they're like, right. That, he that was a heart no attack. heart attack. Connie is all evil now and shit. Like she's all mean. Yeah. And then she introduces the guy to, to Michael. And that's Troy Donahue, by the way, that plays Merle. Troy Donahue, the famous heartthrob from the 50s and 60s. But it's pretty funny that his name Merle Johnson is Troy Donahue's real name. And I, like, I just love the line, I don't know this Merle, I don't know what his job is, I don't know how he makes his money. <laughs> like,
0: yeah. just, Especially he's in the room when you're yeah. saying all these things. He's like, like uh, can I get a drink? Can someone <laughs> pay attention to me? What I actually at some point was like, did I miss him leaving the room? Why is he talking to her? Like, And then he cut it, and I'm like, nope, he's still there. <laughs> he's just talking about him like he's not. Yeah, exactly.
1: Like, You've got Senator Geary.
0: Who comes in he's like i hate you and all your fucking family i hate italians and this and that what is it with every scene in this movie where they meet with them and immediately go you know what i don't like about you you're a thieving wops." <laughs> and like they say this <laughs> awful shit about them and just things never seem to work out for those people yeah, later you think ever one of those requests is from a captain in the crime syndicate who wants the soldier to help defend his territory from another syndicate who work for the soldier's business partner. The soldier refuses, and that night, the soldier survives an assassination attempt at his house. We meet Johnny
1: Ola, and he talks about, you know, the whole deal with Hyman Roth. Uh, Johnny Ola is played by um, Dominic Chianese from The Sopranos. All right? Uncle June. We're talking about real mafia people. Hyman Roth is based upon Meyer Lansky, and his, his Italian partner at the time is based on Vincent Jimmy Blue-Eyes Allo. So these are based on real people in here. We're really right. mixing real mafiosas story with the plot here at this point. Yeah. It's kind of set up where Michael is having problems in New York where he still has sort of peripheral control because Pantangeli represents him with these Rosado brothers. Okay, and the Rosado brothers are backed by Hyman Roth, but Michael doesn't want to fuck up shit with his, his deal with Hyman Roth. Right. Then Pantangeli rolls in, and Pantangeli's all drunk and shit. He's like, are oh, you drinking... Uh, what are they drinking? Champagne. Uh, champagne cocktails.
0: Okay. Champagne cocktails. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? You know... Uh... <laughs> Alarm clock cereal. What are you saying? <laughs> You're just putting words together.
1: Um, we see that um, Fredo is just continues to be totally weak, can't control his wife. I shouldn't have said
0: WAP. No, she does <laughs> it immediately. She's like, Yeah, you dirty WAP. I shouldn't have said WAP. Oh! <laughs> they drag her off away. the dance floor <laughs> <Yeah>. or whatever. <laughs> yeah.
1: You mentioned the assassination attempt. Who opened those drapes? I mean, I guess later on we realize that Freddie was
0: involved, but what, Freddie went into the into their bedroom and opened up the drapes? I, I, I like that it's also like they never, ever, ever open those drapes, right? Like, she has like, Michael, why are those drapes open? <laughs> and he immediately is like, oh shit, get down! Yeah, like, and hits the fucking deck immediately. <laughs> In 1910's New York, we see the younger Don lose his job and decide to start a life of crime. We get the whole backstory that, uh, Young Vito works for Jenko's right. father at the grocery store. The whole thing with
1: Fanucci, the black hand. A part that they didn't include in the movie, but I believe is in a cut scene, that the local neighborhood is fed up with Fanucci kind of taking money from everyone. So some of the local kids slash his neck. And later we see the scar across his neck. Yeah. It's never explained. And we meet Clemenza for the first time. And then later they steal the fucking rug. And Vito doesn't even realize till Clemenza is ready to gun down a cop that they're robbing the rug. He really thinks that it's like, ah, oh, a fr- friend's got a rug. Yeah. It also shows there too that Vito is not averse to committing crimes. Once he realizes they're stealing the rug, he still steals the rug. Also, Young Jenko Abendando is played by the guy who played Frankie Carbone in in Goodfellas. Right. And sued the Simpsons because he thought that the mafia character was based upon him. He was also in The Wedding Singer too.
0: Yes. You know. It is my f- I think the funniest line in that whole movie is he like in passing is just talking to Adam Sandler and he's like watering the bushes. And he, like, sprays himself, and he's like, "Oh shit, I got water all over myself. And I don't know why, it fucking cracks me up every time. (laughs) Oh, and of course, Bruno Kirby is playing the young Clemenza. Meanwhile, back in the 50s, the soldier suspects his business partner tried to have him killed but pretends he doesn't know. The captain is instructed to keep up this ruse, but an assassin tries to kill him, claiming it was sanctioned by the soldier. Now that's Danny Aiello. Yes. Michael Colaioli Michael he says, he says hello.
1: But what Hyman does there is he tries to make Pantangeli think that it's Michael that's trying to kill him.
0: Yeah, it gets a little confusing in there because yeah. you clearly like he goes to Hyman and says it was Pantangeli, and right. then he goes to Pantangeli and it goes, says it was it was Hyman exactly.
1: Yeah, that weird shot in the street where Willie Chichi stands up, he's hit by the car. What's going
0: on in the streets of New yeah. York? Yeah, what's going yeah, on? Like a here? whole fucking gun battle breaks out. <laughs> it's You're really like, strange. It's like the sloppiest hit attempt in it, any it of really these movies. Is. The soldier and the business partner go to Cuba to discuss business plans that are being threatened by the revolution on New Year's Eve. The fuck-up brother accidentally reveals that he was involved in the soldier's attempted assassination. They get to Cuba. Scott, that whole gold phone thing is totally real. They really did pass around a weird gold phone. What the hell was that all about? (laughs) Them passing around this solid gold phone. Michael doesn't even look at it. That's heavy, It's a gold phone. Shit, that's gold. (laughs) That's, That's true. That's a real thing that happened. My favorite part of that gold phone, though, is the cord, which is just a plain ass black cord coming out of the fucking photo like, you couldn't have spray painted a cord gold dude i'll blow your mind further they took the gold phone from like a museum just for the
1: movie and on the front of it is the plaque explaining where the gold phone came <laughs> from and you can't see it this is them weaving in history with the movie this is during the batista regime where the batistas were cuddling up to the mafia right before Fidel Castro took over Cuba. Yeah. So this is really what was going on. Meyer Lansky put all his money into these casinos in Cuba, and the timing was terrible. It fucking blew up in his face. Right. So the whole Cuban movement is strange. Michael, when he sees the bombing, he's like, the rebels can win. Like, he's got a sixth sense that this may not work out for him.
0: Yeah. But he has Fredo bring the $2 million over... Anyway, maybe he had Fredo bring over the money because he wanted Fredo to think the deal was real.
1: He definitely at this point thinks that Fredo might be involved.
0: Yeah. When they have that meeting where Fredo is like, well, how do you say banana dacker?" And he's like, I think it's banana
1: dacker, you dumb motherfucker. <laughs> he's kind of eyeballing Fredo. Like he knows that Fredo, there's something going on there. Yeah. You get a sense that it's Michael versus Hyman Roth. But at the same time, the front is being kept up that they're still allies in some way. Right. And of course, the weird assassination attempt where Michael's assassin kills Johnny Ola with a, with a fucking coat hanger. Some assassin. <laughs> yeah. What, what are you doing? Yeah. And, and then you and the can't medi-
0: kill a guy who's dying who's in bed di- already.
1: Yeah. And then, of course, you have the big famous scene at the end of Cuba where Michael kisses Freddy the kiss of death. I know it was you, Fredo, and you broke my heart. Yeah. Because of how stupid Fredo is at the big dick show. Where he's like, yeah, Johnny Ola showed me this place. Five minutes before, he was like, I don't know where Johnny Ola. Where
0: m- he's quote-unquote meeting Johnny yeah, Ola mean, for the cut, first time. He's I- just a fuck-up. I think the whole reason he even spends time with Fredo is because he thinks he's involved. Yeah. And he's like, I'll just, I'm just going to—he's a fool. Yep. I'm just going to wait for him to tell me.
1: And I mean, boy, does It'll he it It'll come out. It came right out. Yeah. I mean, he's like, oh, old Hyman Roth would never come here.
0: But Johnny Ola knows all these places— What are you doing? Yeah. Michael
1: is one foot behind you. Right,
0: yeah. What are you doing? Boy, Johnny Ola? he's the greatest. Never met him, though. I I mean, it's it's ridiculous.
1: (laughs) And that really mirrors, by the way, what happened in 1958. The Cuban Revolution happened right after New Year's Eve. Batista left the country at like 3 o'clock in the morning and said, I'm leaving the country. And like five days later,
0: the rebels... Castro captured Havana. The soldier sends a hitman to kill his business partner, but the hitman is caught and killed and the business partner flees. The soldier returns to America and finds out his wife has had a miscarriage. Back in 1910's New York, the young Don is being extorted for money from his criminal enterprise by the greedy local Don. So the young Don kills him. That flashback...
1: When you see him decide to kill Fanucci. Yeah. The whole thing where he's sitting at the table with Tessio and Clemenza and he's like, I'll take care of it. They're speechless.
0: And they're like, oh,
1: okay. Yeah. And they can't <laughs> believe it. And again, up until that point, it's described that the Don is a quiet person that thinks a lot, that he's not vocal like Clemenza. Right. The, the book describes this is a moment that Vito's destiny has changed forever. He could have been maybe uh, the owner of a of a supermarket, but no, this murder cemented him as the Don, made him who he was.
0: Right. And Finucci's just a stand-in for uh, from the beginning, really. Right? The the guy who killed his family. Yeah. Right in the beginning, you know?
1: Yep, yep, exactly. It's De Niro's idea to wrap a towel around the gun as
0: a silencer in there. Yeah.
1: All right, very cool part. I mean, I just love that whole movement when he travels across the rooftops, breaks the gun apart. Yeah, yeah. Puts it down the air shoots like
0: just very cool and then just casually rejoins his family. Meanwhile... Back in the 50s, a Senate committee investigates the crime syndicate, and the captain who believes the soldier tried to have him killed is ready to testify. I could do without all this. It's, it's mirroring
1: the, the famous Joe Valacci testimony. Right. Um, When he was the first made man in history
0: to talk about the whole structure of the mafia, the different five families. Meanwhile, back in the 1910s, the young Don has gained the respect of the community and helps an old lady and starts an olive oil business.
1: Yeah, it's kind of weird, that whole thing with Signora Colombo and the landlord and everything. Yeah. a funny little note, though, is that the guy that, that played the landlord was a famous Italian comedian whose name was Leopoldo Trieste. It's kind of ridiculous. The fucking
0: music playing, too, when he comes in is like... Boop, 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 like, it's yeah. very goofy music. <laughs> it, it goes like, along with... The, here yes. comes this funny guy. You're Like, B- why? Like, I get just to yep. show that that was his, his pull yep. in the neighborhood. You're I exactly right. But-
1: and you can tell here, though, that Vito
0: enjoys having the power. Meanwhile, in the 50s, the soldier talks to his fuck-up brother, who admits his involvement in the attempted assassination, and the soldier disowns his fuck-up brother. You're nothing to me now, Fredo. You're not a friend. You're not a brother. When you visit our mother, I want a day's notice so I don't run into you. He's like leaning
1: back on a lawn chair. He's like, Mikey...
0: (laughs) The soldier brings the captain's brother to the Senate hearing, and the captain decides not to testify. Later, the soldier's wife tells him that the miscarriage was actually an
1: abortion. An abortion, Michael! And she's
0: leaving with the children. The fetus was a boy! (laughs) What? <laughs> it was a boy and I had it killed. It's,
1: yeah, it's really crazy. Like, and his
0: slap to her, it's not a real slap. He kind
1: of like, like pushes push. his hand and she falls down. Well, I
0: think it's, it's a movie slap. The soldier slaps her, cuts her off, and takes custody of the children. Meanwhile, back in the 1910s, the young Don returns to Italy and kills the Italian Don who killed his family. Awesome killing
1: where he stabs him. It's not really mentioned in the book, this whole thing where he travels back to Italy. That's completely new. That's completely
0: new. Settling all accounts, as it were. Meanwhile, back in the 50s, the soldier's mother dies, and the soldier seems to forgive his fuck-up brother.
1: It's just like with Carlo, though. He lures Fredo in by reconciling with him because he knows what he has to do later. Lulling him into a false sense of Security. security. Exactly. In the same way we watch Michael rise in the first movie, we watch him fall in the second movie. Right. Scene by scene, as things happen, the Senate hearings, to the abortion, to the death of, of Mama Corleone and what he has to do with Freddie.
0: Yeah, I mean, he loses the whole family, essentially. Yep.
1: Under the pretense of saving the family. And that's, right. that's really the theme of the
0: movie. Sure. The soldier has his business partner killed in an airport, has the adopted lawyer convinced the captain to kill himself, and has his fuck-up brother killed in a boat. So,
1: yeah, you have the same kind of a thing that happened in the first movie. A, a mass... Amount of killings all at once. Right. It's kind of showing that he's settling all the accounts, so to speak. Like he's totally lost
0: his shit entirely. Yeah. Now. Driven mad by the power. Yeah, exactly.
1: And meanwhile, Freddy is so dumb, he doesn't even see it coming. Freddy doesn't realize anything's amiss. What, you're going to go fishing at night with Al Neri yeah. on a boat in the lake? What? Right. Come on, get yeah. it, Freddy. Yeah. Really. That's on our website, Scott. Freddy on the boat. That's, that's yes. the image that we use on our website. But it's terribly sad. You hear the gunshot. You see Michael's head fall, and then I even think it's sad that Al Neri stands up and kind of like looks down. At him. You know he doesn't want to do it. Right. Like Tom
0: has to convince Pentangeli to commit suicide. Really, arguably the most evil thing that anybody in the family has done. Yeah. I feel like. They made him who has done who is not part of any of that stuff has to go and be like, you know what? Be a good idea if you slit your fucking wrists open. Exactly. Pentangeli did think that Michael was out to get him. He had every right right to testify against him. Right. It
1: only took his brother showing up to convince him not to testify. I'm not even sure what what were they gonna kill the brother? Was he feeling guilty around the brother? That's not even clear. No explanation whatsoever. He's dressed as a fucking Italian snowman. Very strange. (laughs) But the idea is that all the connections to
0: the past are severed, and Michael is left alone. We flash back to the Don's birthday party, where the soldier tells the family he's going to enlist in the Marines, and only the fuck-up brother supports him. Back in the 50s, the soldier
1: sits alone. And it's sad. It's sad because Michael's remembering what he used to be and how he, he was idealistic. Yeah. That scene was supposed to have Brando in it, but Brando thought he got fucked with respect to Paramount and the money. So at the last minute, he's like, Yeah, I'm not showing up for that last scene. Wow. So they made it into a surprise party. Yeah. Meanwhile, this is pretty funny. James Kahn asked for the same amount of money he got for the first entire movie to film that scene, and he got it $35,000. Wow. You're stupid. <laughs> stupid. You're stupid. <laughs> As for myself, I prefer the flashbacks more than the contemporary story in the second movie. Sure. But the ending is very sad. Yeah. The reality is this was supposed to be the end of
0: everything. Right. There was never supposed Obviously. to be a third
1: movie. But and every time Coppola's other films bomb, he's like, shit, I better make another fucking Godfather.
0: Yeah. So Just to throw people off. And so you have it. And so he did. The Godfather Part 3. 1990. In 1970s New York, the soldier is old divorced, and trying to separate himself from his violent past by giving money to charities. After a papal ceremony in the soldier's honor, the soldier's son tells him he is becoming an opera singer and not going into the family business, and the soldier's non-Italian ex-wife tells the soldier she knows he had his fuck-up brother killed. The bastard son of the hothead brother shows up and has a beef with the current captain of the criminal syndicate, and when the soldier tries to squash it, The bastard son bites the captain's ear. So we have, again, a big party to begin this.
1: Unlike the other movies, we're being reintroduced to characters in these movies. So many years later, it's like, oh, that's what this guy did. And oh, that's what that guy did. We have to reestablish that Michael has kind of fucked up the entire family. And Andy Garcia just killing it as Sonny's, uh, Sonny's illegitimate son. You know, that he made with Lucy Mancini. Right. Okay, when he's having the affair and everything. Right, in the first and, one. And he's just like, Sonny, he's a hothead. But we meet a lot of the old characters from the past. It's like meeting old friends. Lucy Mancini shows up again, the same exact actress. Instead of Nazarene the baker, the guy that helped Michael so many years ago on the steps in front of the hospital, Enzo the baker, shows up, and he's the one that bakes the cake. Ah, that's right. Johnny Fontaine is back, as well as Teresa Hagen, Tom Hagen's wife. He's not in the movie now, and so he's being replaced basically by George Hamilton. And Kay, of course, reveals that his son knows that he killed Fredo. Right. Connie doesn't really think he killed Fredo. Maybe she's telling herself that it was an accident. You know, oh, Fredo died on the yeah.
0: drowning or whatever. Oops, he got shot. <laughs>
1: but I feel like everyone sort of
0: knows that he killed Fredo. Yeah. It's an unspoken thing. The soldier decides to take the bastard under his wing. Later... The soldier makes a deal with the Vatican to buy their shares of a European real estate company, but the Pope must approve it. An old crime boss tells the soldier that the crime syndicate wants in on the deal, and the soldier has a meeting with the heads of the families and agrees to pay all of them, but not the current captain, who storms out in a rage. Suddenly, (laughs) a helicopter appears and opens fire on the meeting, killing most of the bosses... But the soldier and the bastard escape. It already becomes confusing here. Yeah. Because you really don't know who ordered that hit
1: at all. You have no idea. You think that the Vatican is just going along with Michael's plan. No right. problems. A- at that point, have we dealt yet with the European part of the conglomerate? Ships must be sailing, sailing in, the in the same direction. direction. Yeah. We don't know that they have anything to do with Joey Zaza or the mafia hit or any of that stuff. Right. And that's going to be one of the flaws of this film in that you really, for a while, don't really know who's with who. Yeah. Not till we get to Sicily or is it really clear what the sides are. Meanwhile, the mafia guys are like, You've made us so much money. We've got checks for 30 million. We want more. We want to be in on immobiliare. Fuck off. The yeah. whole point is I'm paying you off so that you'll leave me alone. Right. No one seems to get that Michael wants this to be a legitimate business at any point in time. Right. Like no one gets it. They don't get it. The European conglomerate, led by Lucchese, doesn't get it. No one gets it. Yeah. Get it. I mean, that's the whole point. He's trying to absolve himself of his previous sins,
0: namely the killing of his brother. The soldier realizes that the old crime boss is behind it and has a diabetic stroke going into a coma.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And you hear him yelling out there. It's kind of a weird bit because he's like... He yells out for Fredo there, but before that he yells out "you old fuck" or whatever. Yeah, He's yeah. He's talking
0: about Don Altobello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He
1: knows that Altobello. I
0: think he might even say Altobello. Like, Does he? or it says something quick
1: because he kn- look. It's no coincidence that Altobello and Zaza escape. So he knows that Altobello is in on that. So this right. old boy that he thinks is going to like help him smooth things over with the commission is in on it with Zaza right. and whoever. And I don't think he realizes at this point that it's the European conglomerate, that it's Lucchese. Right. I don't think he realizes it at this point. No, But he can't trust Altobello. And so when he gets to Sicily, there's this whole thing like, what's Altobello up to? Right. Our old friend, Eli Wallach, from The Good, yes. and the Bad, and the
0: Ugly. Trilogy superstar. Yes, yes. While the soldier is in a coma, the bastard starts dating the soldier's daughter his cousin, and also kills the current captain. Ew. To both. I mean, seriously. (laughs) How many times has Michael at this point said,
1: like, fucking stop it? Don't do what you're doing. Yeah. Knock it off. You get the okay from Al Neri and Connie, of all people? Yeah. Who suddenly is this hardened, mean woman, and she's like, now they will fear you. He's like, maybe they should fear you. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I love
0: that. It's like, they already fear him, you idiot. He's l- the most powerful man <laughs> in the family. I love it because it's such like a nothing line. Like, yeah. you, now they'll fear me? Now they're going to fear me? Yeah. Like, well, it's funny because
1: she says it with so much weight. Now they'll fear you. Maybe they should fear you.
0: Yeah. He just makes fun of it's, her. a like, Shut up, yeah. idiot. Like, <laughs> exactly. What are you talking about? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm trying to be so overdramatic. Hey, really? Really? Suddenly you're a powerhouse in this family? You were dating Merle five minutes ago. What are you (laughs) talking about? You're going to be in here in five minutes with some other dumbass. You're like, I want to marry him, Mikey.
1: But then we get some important quotes in here, like, never hate your enemies. He's trying to instruct Vincent, like, never hate your enemies. Right. That's something that, like, he and his father were able to do, but
0: but Sonny couldn't do. Uh, yeah, I think uh, correcting the past is a big theme in this yeah. movie. We'll, we'll make it legitimate now, and everything will be fine. And look, I can save Sonny. Like, even though he was a hothead and he got himself killed, but it's like he's vicariously saving Sonny. I right, right. Really.
1: That leads you into the most famous line in the movie. Every time I think I'm out,
0: they pull me back in. I think it's funny though because people repeat that line like it's so intense and like it's actually he does it very kind of quietly. It's his face that sells it. The soldier wakes from his coma and everybody goes to Italy to see the soldier's son singing an opera. While in Italy, the soldier meets with a cardinal who convinces the soldier to confess for the first time in decades. And the soldier tells him he had his fuck up brother killed. Very dramatic.
1: Great piece of acting by Pacino there. Not his and he says his brother, but he says my father's son. I killed my father's son. Killed son. My father's son. Reference I killed back my mother's his, son. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he you realize here now that he has an ally in Cardo Lamberto, who will go on to be the Pope. Right. So it's almost like we're we're
0: choosing sides here. The soldier tells the bastard to spy on the old crime boss and learns that the deal with the Vatican is actually an elaborate plan to screw over the soldier and that the old crime boss has hired a hitman to assassinate the soldier. But he ends up killing the soldier's friend. We know that Don Lucchese... Is the one that is against Michael, the head of the
1: European conglomerate. Right. All right. And we know that he's with Altobello, and that Michael's got to stand up against these
0: guys. What's unclear is why they're against Michael. And the Vatican story doesn't make it any more clear. Uh, what, what is the plan to screw over Michael? Like, what at the end of the day, like, what are they going to?
1: The idea is that they maintain control of Immobiliare. And are able to k- keep it a criminal organization,
0: whereas Michael wanted to make it a legitimate business organization. Right, but they were still going to like take his money and the investment and everything. That's
1: the right? whole thing. They yeah. were kind of scamming him out of his $600 million. Right, Right. That's also the time, Scott, where it's revealed that Lucchesi was behind the big hit in Atlantic City with the helicopter and that Zaza was just his confederate. Yeah. That entire hit. NAC was just to kill Michael.
0: Forget about all the other mafia guys. Why don't you wait them to go to the bathroom and then shoot (laughs) him? He's an old fucking man. It's not like... Was that your best plan? You're like, oh, we better get a helicopter. Make sure we get... What if we kill everyone else? Oh, well. Are there
1: no consequences to killing every single head of crime in the world? Daughter's going, dad, dad, dad,
0: dad, dad, shut up, dad. The Cardinal becomes Pope, ratifies the deal, and is killed by poison tea. And that's based upon the
1: real story of that pope at the time. Pope John Paul I, I believe, the pope that lived for a month. They're trying to connect it to real stuff. Right, yeah, yeah. Obviously, it wasn't poisoned or anything, but again,
0: they're trying to— Not that we know of. Do you know something? No, I don't know. I'm just saying. I said not that we know We don't know. But there could be. The soldier makes the bastard the new Don in return for not dating his daughter. While everyone is at the opera, they kill everyone who tried to screw the soldier in the Vatican deal, and the sister feeds the old crime boss a poison cannoli. On one side, Vincent, who's the new godfather,
1: is getting revenge on all the enemies. While at the same time, Lucchese is trying to take out Michael and kills the Pope, Right. essentially. So we have the mass killings that we see from the Corleone family on one side, but in this movie, there's backlash. It's It's... Someone's fighting back against him right. at the exact same time, which makes it kind of interesting. It's yeah. a different
0: angle. I actually found it unclear when the cardinal was dead. I was like, wait, so who killed him? Michael would want him dead because he told him he killed Fredo. <laughs> like, I was like, no, wait, okay, no. No, 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 no. That's yeah. Lucchese that killed him. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's like weird in the placement of when you find him dead is like at the end of the You mean the pope. Of- you mean the pope. Don't say the, the cardinal. Pope. You mean the pope. The cardinal who became the pope.
1: R- right. So, but you have the two killings going on, and really, it's just bad luck The Michael finds out about the pope walks away, and when the guy's ready to gun him down, he's not sitting in the seat. Right. Because Mosca, the old fucking assassin, is ready to just gun him down, and, he, yeah. and he's just not there at the time. This is a kind of movie that you need to see a couple of times to really understand it. And it's not worth it. I mean, look, Sofia Coppola, too, but with respect to the plots, what we're talking about now, I think that's its biggest failing. Yeah. All right?
0: Although the killings are great. We know that Neri can shoot from far away because he takes out Barzini with a far shot. Incidentally, uh... Uh, that scene where Neary shoots Barzini and drops to his knee and, like, t- aims and takes his time with that shot, for some reason, is, like, my favorite part of the first movie. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. I think it's such an interesting little thing that, like, he sees him getting away. He's like, I'm not fucking this up. <laughs> and just drops, takes his time, bang. Yeah, leg. yeah. But fine. that scene reminds me of the Untouchables scene as well. Okay. Also, with where Andy Garcia is the one who has him who's like, you got him? I got, got him. Take him. Yep. <sighs>
1: We're never really sure how Connie eats the cannoli and isn't poisoned, but then
0: she's just like, Egh. Egh. she like licks the side of it. <laughs> yeah, like she, she like presses <laughs> her tongue lightly against it. And he's like, oh, that's oh, a- it's convincing enough for me. <laughs> I turned to Amy and I was like, this guy
1: died of indigestion. He ate three cannolis during this opera. It's not wasn't poisoned. Yeah, I, an old guy just pounded three cannolis.
0: <laughs> yeah, while he's singing along. Like, I, come on, I poisoned him with butter <laughs> <laughs> after the opera. The hitman shoots the soldier, accidentally hitting the soldier's daughter, killing her. We flash forward to years later in Italy, where we watch the elderly soldier slump over and die. You know, I read on Wikipedia that the
1: bullet goes through Michael and hits her.
0: Yes. What? That's that, not clear. I, it is not at all. Because my, my question was going to be, did he mean to hit her? Because otherwise, that's a really bad shot. And really, why doesn't Michael act like he's just been shot in the
1: chest? He, he Actually, like he got stung by a bee. Like, yeah. oh, oh! I mean, we get the great yell.
0: But no one cares about her. Well, fuck her. <laughs> we hate you so much, we're glad you're dead. And that's not her fault. It's Francis Ford Coppola's fault. for <laughs> casting his daughter. Yes. He should have known better. Yeah. You're an award-winning filmmaker. You should have known what talent looks like. It it,
1: it was enough that you cast your sister as Connie. Yeah. You
0: know, enough already with the nepotism.
1: So Michael actually wins at the end. Right. He kills everyone that was against him with respect to Immobiliare, but he loses everything. You know, the first movie shows the rise. The second movie shows his fall. The third movie shows his attempt at redemption that fails. So, it's almost like another downbeat. Like, he can never recover. Maybe from killing Freddy, maybe from trying to be his father. He could never be his father. Right. right. All right. So, there we wow. go. That was a long plot. All yes. Right? That was a They're long, long one. movies. I got a lot to say. I'm sorry if I went too far. I got excited, Scotty. I got excited. Okay. I got thrilled. Let's talk a little bit about the details of some of these movies, and I'll try and go through them as expeditiously as possible The Godfather You can't talk about The Godfather unless you talk about some of the main components of it Cinematographer Gordon Willis is a big part of the making of this film He you know cuz Coppola is more of an actors director dealing with the motivations and how the actors related to one another not a visual director And right. it was it was Willis that really decided to shoot a lot of it in those sepia tones And to make it a really dark film because he had a light Brando from above because of the makeup and the jaw makeup and this and that. So he gave it a dark look on purpose to the point where the studios, when they saw one of the cuts, are like, is there a mistake with the the film? Yeah. Why is everything so dark here?
0: It wasn't uh, the fact that that it was so dark. It was the fact that the studio said, how are we going to show this at the drive-ins?
1: And of course, a big hand in these films was Robert Evans, the head of Paramount. The kid stays in the picture. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. kind of the famous producer. Yeah. Of you course. know, uh, he had a lot to say. And that was, there was a lot of conflict going on with these movies. It's based upon, of course, the 1969 book by Mario Puzo, which is at the time was one of the biggest books of all time. Yeah. With respect to publishing, it's since been passed by uh, some Dan Brown novels and another trilogy. Indeed. But again, at the time, it was like the biggest book fucking ever. Mario Puzo is such a shady bastard. He sold the rights to this movie two years before the book even came out, based upon a 60 page manuscript that he had written for $12,500, because he needed. To pay a gambling debt of $10,000. So he just sold it all away with an $80,000 option if they were going to make the movie, and so they did. And they brought him on as a screenwriter as well, too. Right. Evans hired Coppola because he wanted an Italian director. And you got to understand that as the book became more popular, they realized like that this movie was going to be bigger and bigger. Originally, it wasn't going to be a big deal movie at all. Yeah. And the book started to explode, and they're like, "Holy shit! Like we've got a big movie on our hands." After twelve directors turned down the job, they brought in Coppola. And we these are big directors that turned down the job. We're talking like Sergio Leone, our Fistful of Dollars director. Sure, you know uh, Bogdanovich, Richard Brooks, Otto Preminger, huge directors at the time. They turned it all down. They yeah. brought in Francis Ford Coppola, which kind of just made things even more difficult because Coppola had a very distinct vision on how it was going to be made. Yeah. But the reality is he had gone over budget so much on um THX one one three eight Lucas's first movie. Right. That he owed money back to the studio and kinda had to make the movie to keep Zotrope. Yeah. yeah. Like so he had to make the movie for financial reasons.
0: You're not my father And what do you come to me for? I need money.
1: It was originally protested, Scott, by like the Italian-American Civil Rights League, which was headed by Joe Colombo, who that was a front for his mafia shit at the time. Joe Colombo was one of the heads of the five families of New York. And he made this group that was like against Italian-American stereotypes. So he was like, we're going to protest this movie if they use the word mafia or Cosa Nostra in it. And so the studios had to agree not to use those words and they weren't in the screenplay anyway. So they totally scammed out the mafia. You goddamn
0: guineas really make me laugh.
1: Constant battle with the studio, especially the casting of two parts. Who was going to play the Godfather? Coppola wanted one of the two best actors on Earth to play Vito Corleone, and that's Brando or Laurence Olivier. Mm. They asked Sir Laurence Olivier, but they were told that he was like sick and was close to death, wasn't going to be doing any more movies, so they brought in Brando. The studios didn't want Brando, because Brando was known as Mercurial, a pain in the ass. Right. His last couple of movies had bombed. He was considered sort of washed up. Everything I learn about Brando makes me think he's a dick. He was. Yeah. You got to remember, he didn't bother to memorize his lines on this at all. The, the actors acting opposite him held cue cards that he read during the movie. Yeah. And his whole idea was like, I want... It to be completely fresh Words to be completely Organic and fresh Discuss. But it's not gonna
0: Take you out of the scene That you gotta read it Off a card uh, Would a real person Read their you. line off a card I mean look I'm not gonna sp- I could talk about the method For an hour on its own The one responsibility You have to do as an actor You don't even have to be good You just have to know Your fucking lines <laughs> Like that's all You have to do It's like the base Responsibility actors have Yeah When he had the big scene With Pacino in the garden uh, He leaned he- back Into his lines On a tree <laughs> He had him on a tree <laughs> Absolutely
1: the studios wanted Ernest Borgnine. They wanted, uh... They wanted, Ernest
0: Borgnine!
1: <laughs> they wanted, like, um, Orson Welles, Danny Thomas, Anthony Quinn, Donna Michi, George C. Scott. I mean, for God's sake, even Frank Sinatra was involved. Frank Sinatra was completely against the book and the movie because they were talking about him right. in that anecdote. But yet he wanted to play Vito in the movie and then got pissed off because Brando beat him out yet again for another part because he had already beat him out for the part in On the Waterfront.
0: And Guys and Dolls. and um... Which, in Guys and Dolls, come on, it makes no fucking sense. Sinatra's the one who can sing. I, I know. Hang a Brando in there. Luck be a lady tonight. Yeah, Brando like, wanted the other part, though. You know, he wanted the lead. And they should have flipped him. Luck be a lady tonight. Luck be a lady tonight. Lucky, if you've ever been a lady to begin with, luck be a lady tonight.
1: Uh, and, of course, the other big casting thing was Michael. The studios hated Al Pacino. He was not famous. Robert Evans called him the midget. He was considered too short for the part. Yeah. No one liked him. So you can't imagine the other actors that were offered this part and turned it down. We're talking Martin Sheen did a screen test.
0: They tried to kill him, my father. They did. They nearly did.
1: Dean Stockwell, Warren Beatty, Jack Nicholson, Dustin Hoffman, they all turned it down. Robert Redford, they wanted to bring him in as a Northern Italian because he was hot at the time. Yeah.
0: Uh, you're also, I mean, you're already. I mean, honestly, I think with James Caan, you're already like, he doesn't look very Italian. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, You gotta have someone who looks very Italian to be Michael. You got
1: uh, Ryan O'Neill. They asked him to do it because of the s- success of Love Story, which had yeah. been a couple of years before.
0: Nice Italian name, Ryan O'Neill. And
1: then for a while, James Caan was going to play Michael, because James Caan was sort of a name at the time, and they wanted to attach a name to the part. Another little interesting story, Al Martino was cast by the studio to play Johnny Fontaine. Then Coppola came in and wanted Vic Damone to play him. Al Martino went to his mafia connections and got the studio to reverse it so that it went back to Al Martino. When Brando slaps him, it's not in the script at all. And, Martino didn't know how to react to it. Yeah. He was terrified. It was yeah. The whole thing.
0: Brando's from that school of acting of like, let me do something that's going to totally throw you off your game. Yeah. And that's going to be. That's you know, realism. That's acting. You're yeah. like, no, it's inconsiderate, is what it is. You <laughs> exactly. should tell the guy he's going to get slapped. You can act like a man. What's about it?
1: So, this movie was made for $6 million and made $300 million. Wow. It was by far the biggest movie of all time up until Jaws. Right. It was the number one movie in the country for 23 weeks. When they optioned it to TV in 1974, it broke all the Nielsen records for TV movies. Yeah. Beloved by critics on most critics' top five list, if not the number one movie of all time. Generally considered to be one of the best movies ever made. Yeah. By most people. But talk about pop culture, Scott. I mean, it created a genre. Now, there's been like 300 movies about the mafia since this. You're talking, um, Goodfellas. You're talking The Sopranos. The Freshman, Marlon Brando reprises the role as a spoof with Matthew Broderick. Yeah. Yeah. For God's sake, The Simpsons have an entire little section that's based upon The Godfather.
0: Fat Tony? Fat Tony. That's... was voiced by Joey Zaza. That's why I keep my friends close. And your enemies closer? No, why would I do that? If they were close, they
1: would kill me. And we mentioned it before. They made a video game. I think of, of, of Godfather 1 and Godfather 2. And 2, two. Yeah. yeah. They were okay. I played them both. I enjoyed them. And then I, I guess we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the Academy Awards in 1972. It won Best Picture, it won Best Director, Screenplay, Score. Khan, Duval, and Pacino were all nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Brando took down... Best actor, and then there was the whole thing where the Native American lady came up on stage, Sasheen Littlefeather. Yes. So that um, Brando could protest the treatment of Native Americans in films. Right. Like, everyone during the Academy Awards looks at her like, huh? Get the fuck out of here.
0: Uh, Okay. And
1: not even because of bigotry. I think it was just because it's like, it's Brando. So the Godfather changed movie history. That's basically what this comes down to. It changed how films were made. It was a monster. We're bigger than U.S. Steel. Godfather 2, it is the um, first sequel to win Best Picture, and it's one of only two- First or only? Return of the King also won Best Picture. In this one, there's much less to say here because there wasn't nearly as much studio interference with any of this. Coppola was the producer here. Puzo came back. The big thing with this was that it was two stories. It was completely unique. You had the story of young Vito and you had the story of Michael's rise right. and fall. This was made for $15 million. It made $88 million. Not nearly as much as the previous movie, but um, still the seventh biggest movie of the year. It was poorly screen tested. People didn't like the amount of switchbacks between the past and the present. And so it was severely edited where I think it winds up being four switchbacks between the past and the present, which made it more reasonable. So that was a big criticism early on. Indeed, people either thought it was an amazing classic, better than the first movie, or kind of dismissed it because it was so different. Yeah. Of course, it's been reassessed and it's considered to be a brilliant film in the league of the first Godfather. And some people put it as higher than the first Godfather.
0: Well, you get De Niro, you know? And that's big. I mean, as De Niro rose in stature, you grew to see- You lose Brando, but you get De Niro.
1: One of five- Actors who won the Academy Award speaking another language. This might be—I don't know—it
0: might be the best De Niro performance. Maybe. I mean, I like—I mean, don't. I like Taxi Driver. I like Raging Bull. Don't get me wrong, but something about this—it just suits him. It just makes sense. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. And he looks so young and cool, like. And then you look at him now, and yeah. <laughs> and he's playing fucking Robert Mueller on <laughs> SNL. I mean, what happened? Who the fuck do you think you're talking to?
1: Oh, yeah? People consider this to be Pacino's best performance ever, and he didn't win the Oscar for this. He didn't win an Oscar until the 90s, right? Not till Scent of a Woman. This is one of the uh, four in a row for Pacino. Pacino was nominated for an Academy Award for four movies in a row. The Godfather, Serpico, The Godfather 2, and then Dog Day Afternoon.
0: Erica! Erica! Erica!
1: This is a movie where all of the installments of a trilogy were nominated for Best Picture. The only other movie that can say that, Lord of the Rings. And we get to the awards in 74. This one won for Picture, Director. Of course, Pacino got a nomination and lost to Art Carney. Huh? I mean, I like... Art uh, Carney?
0: Yeah. That's so not like... Ed Norton? Oh, you're going to get it, North. You're going to get it.
1: And of course, another one of these things where there were three nominations for Best Supporting Actor De Niro, who won, Michael Vigazzo, and Lee Strasberg. And somehow Talia Shire was nominated for supporting actress. She's barely in the movie. It's really she supports nothing. Yeah, it's terrible. In any of the movies. I agree. Although it got a um, a nomination for or I think it won for adapted screenplay, even though half of it is original. But the Academy Award rules are that if any part of it is based on a previous work. Right. So because the whole past is based on, on the book, it was an adapted screenplay. Yeah. This is also the run where John Casale as Fredo, every movie he ever was in was nominated for Best Picture. Right. Until he died, sadly, of cancer at the end of the 70s. And although he was never given an acting nomination, I think
0: he deserved one for this one. Yeah. And I know Pacino talks about him like he was like his favorite Acting partner. Like he was like, he just was a guy who gave you everything. Was he married to Meryl Streep? He was.
1: Yeah. He that's was. what I thought. Yeah. Yes, he was. Um, right up until I believe his last film was The Deer Hunter. It was amazing to watch me. It was a lesson in itself. I think I
0: learned more about acting from John than
1: anybody. So as you can see, I have less and less. This brings us to The Godfather 3. Coppola considered this not to be a trilogy and that the third movie was almost an epilogue, hence this coda thing that he did. Right. wanted to call it the death of Michael Corleone right? Uh, which the studio promptly rejected but he produced it again
0: had full control again Puzo came back again you think that's just his way of saying I did not want to make a third movie <laughs> of being like no 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 the important thing is the first two we made don't pay attention du- to this third exactly one you're <laughs> exactly right
1: because Zotrope was suffering again he had made a bunch of bombs he had to make this movie to keep his studio alive yeah and so he did Duval did not return because he was not paid enough mm-hmm. and he's he makes a good point he's like look If you want to pay Pacino twice as much as me, I can get it, but not three or four times as much as me. I'm Robert Duvall. I'm I'm Robert Duvall. I'm I'm a big deal, too. I'm an Academy Award winner. He won for tender mercies in the
0: 80s. He was no joke. He was in a lot of great films. Secondhand lions.
1: (laughs) I don't don't think that's one
0: of them. That's a joke. It better be a joke. (laughs) It's a joke.
1: All right. Uh, But again, that's all I have on casting because everyone they wanted, they brought in. Except for Sophia Coppola. (laughs) Oh, God. Julia Roberts dropped out. (sighs) Ugh. Madonna was considered to be too old. Ah, oh. Rebecca Schaefer was murdered.
0: Oh, that's unfortunate.
1: Winona Ryder, this is great. Dropped out of the uh. last minute because of nervous exhaustion.
0: Man, it is is a weird situation to be in. To for me to turn and say, you know what? I wish Winona Ryder was in this movie. Uh, thank you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause even I'm like thinking about it. I'm like that actually would have been better. It would have been okay. Like <laughs> I, I don't particularly care for any of the actresses you named. Yeah, I think I think Julia Roberts would have been a horrible choice. I agree.
1: So they brought in, of course, Sophia Coppola. Sure. Which is that really surprising? Coppola's cast his entire family in these movies anyway. It's amazing. Yeah. Nicolas Cage impression Scott.
0: Not the bees. Killing me won't bring back your goddamn
1: honey. <laughs> amazing that Cage wasn't somehow in this movie. <laughs> oh. Whereas this Nick is an exaggerated screaming psychopath who <laughs> <and> really
0: <laughs> just doesn't exist.
1: Made for 54 million, made 136 million, was never a number one movie in the box office. It was second to Home Alone.
0: Time. Which was a extremely low budget movie. Yeah. And yeah. Made tons of money. The movie received incredible criticism for it's how convoluted it was, which we discussed, and of
1: course, Sofia Coppola's role. And it was still nominated for Academy Awards, though it it didn't win any. It was nominated for Picture, Director, um, Supporting Actor, Andy Garcia. Say it to
0: his face, one time, say it to his face, one time!
1: You watched Coda. I did. So they they just recently put out this Coda, this epilogue, kind of a recut. Why don't you tell me about the differences?
0: Uh, Except for a couple of things, and I've only seen, you know, I've seen Godfather 3 maybe Twice, maybe three times before yeah. this. I couldn't really find that many discernible differences, except there's a switching of the beginning. The scene with the the Vatican takes place before the ceremony the happens. Right. And then at the end, we do not get the death of Michael Corleone like we do in the original. When he puts on his sunglasses. Yeah. In the original, he slumps over in the chair yeah. and dies. Out of nowhere. Right. Your new version is called Coda. The death of Michael Corleone. Right. And the only part you fucking changed about the movie is, he doesn't die. I guess they're trying to say the whole movie is like his Right. like his soul dying, Dying. I guess. Okay, okay. Which is so pretentious (laughs) to take out the part where he fucking dies when you're trying to make that point. (laughs) Meanwhile- No, no. See, you were all confused. (laughs) That's not what I meant. The
1: makeup version of Al Pacino in this movie looks better
0: than his real elderly self now. Of (laughs) course it does. Of course it does. (laughs) Uh, supposedly it's 10 minutes shorter, Mm -hmm. which I do feel like I felt, but didn't see. They took like 30 seconds out of like a ton of scenes, I think. Okay. And it was like a very surgical edit. He, you know, at the beginning of the movie too, you have Coppola with his whole justification for why he did this. And this is what we really always, you know, you love that when directors make a change to their movie and they're like, I re-edited it and did all this. It's always, no, no, no. This is what we always wanted, but we couldn't have. It's like, dude, Why you had- couldn't you have had it then? You were Francis Ford Coppola. You had full control of the third it's movie. It's the third movie. That's like fucking Lucas being like, oh, we couldn't get it. Like, I, I mean, I understand like special effects, whatever. You couldn't yeah, do the I thing know. you wanted to do. Sure, whatever. But like something like this where he was like, oh, and we really wanted to see. It's a coda. And what a coda is in a song, I'm like, oh, fuck we you, know Francis what Francis Ford coda Coppola. Is. How dare you? you to know, sit here and patronize Godfather fans that have made your whole fucking career. You've done five cuts of this movie, the epic the family yeah. the story I, and if you're a godfather fan you're gonna watch all of them yeah
1: in musical terms the coda is sort of like an epilogue it's a summing up and that's what we intended the movie to be oh you know another thing to attack on in the end there was they were in production to make a fourth godfather movie scott and the plan is actually pretty cool it was going to be another parallel story vito young godfather the period of time from where he went to sicily Up Until the Wedding, which is detailed in the book, actually, and it's quite good. Paralleled against Vincent in the 80s. That's not bad. But Puzo died. So those are the three movies. Really a lot of drama. There's as much drama in the creation of these movies as there is in the movie. Yeah. Talk about a labor of love. I I didn't have a ton of stuff on the actors because there's very few that were in all movies. But I wanted to touch on a few others that were in two of the movies because I'm not going to mention them when we do our bullet points. So it's famous that there are five actors— That were in all three movies. Al Pacino. Now, we talked about him at length when we did the Oceans trilogy. Right. He's a trilogy superstar. Yes. All right. So I'm going to ask you right now. You have young Al Pacino with the high voice and old Al Pacino. I'd
0: like to know your favorite movie in each of those worlds, young Mm. and old. Mm. And maybe a movie of his you hate. Young Al Pacino. I like Dog Day Afternoon. I feel like it doesn't get enough play. It doesn't get enough credit. Agreed. Uh, I mean, I also, I enjoyed Serpico, um, okay. but I think Dog Day Afternoon is a better movie on the whole, and I think it actually fits him better. Okay. Even, like, his short stature makes sense yeah. in that movie. Yeah. I think the character just fits him really well. Sure. Um, And I would say for old Pacino, I, I think in the 90s, Pacino had a lot of really great roles in movies that weren't all that good. Okay. I think we talked even on the last podcast because of Keanu. Devil's Advocate, right? Yeah. It's a Pacino movie. Hell if yeah. Pacino's not in it, nobody likes that movie. Agreed. Even I just watched Sen of a Woman, which, uh, as you know, is a Thanksgiving movie as it takes place on the Thanksgiving weekend. Okay. That's our rationalization in my family, <laughs> why, we, why we watch Sen of a Woman around Thanksgiving, which, you know, as we're watching it, I'm sitting realizing, this is a movie about a guy who's going to kill himself the entire time. Yeah. Why is this a movie we watch around Thanksgiving? Like, <laughs> although, to be fair, we do watch It's a Wonderful Life every year, and that is also a movie about a guy who's going to kill himself. Real upbeat family you got there, yeah, Scott. Yeah, we're, uh, we're big fans <laughs> of suicide. Um, oh, God. But yeah, even Sen of a Woman, fantastic performance by Pacino when he's gonna kill himself and he's dressed in his military you know outfit yeah. and everything and he's screaming I'm in the dark here like, yeah all that like it's fucking raw and I gotta give it to him for looking like a blind guy the whole movie okay so you're going sent I, th- I think so I think it's the better performance overall I think he he embodied that character okay
1: more. okay I'd show you but I'm too old
0: I'm too tired I'm too fucking blind if I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place!
1: For me, his best young role is Godfather
0: Two. Yeah. And his best older role is Donnie Brasco. Love him, in Donnie yeah. Brasco. He's great. Yeah, it might be that might be his best role and the best movie he made in the
1: nineties. Listen, I just I happen to just love the Donnie Brasco book and I know it really well. Just I guess just like the Godfather. Yeah, and he really embodies the lefty character completely. So I love that. What's
0: your most hated Pacino? Jack and Jill with Adam Sandler. Oof, it's pretty bad. But again, the best part of it. Is Al Pacino, Al Pacino. <laughs> because he goes for it. Pacino is like, oh, I have never seen anybody like you before. Oh, I just wanna, just wanna take you and hold you. <laughs> and you're like, and you're like, I buy this guy. He's going like, uh, he's acting. He's a hundred percent into it, and yeah. like, he's making this real for me, as over the top and ridiculous as it is. Like. Those are the only moments I enjoyed was when Pacino was acting with him. like. Then you can't come up with one. You like him even in a shit movie. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. The movie is very bad. Yeah, well, Al Pacino's a I good wouldn't fucking watch that. actor. I wouldn't watch that movie in, in its entirety ever again. Burn this. I'm sorry? This must
1: never be seen by anyone. I but personally hate Scarface. I hate it. Really? I hate it. I think he's his accent is a joke. The movie is a hey, joke. Man. Uh, it's terrible. Come on, fuss you, man. <laughs> he's he's t- the whole. It's terrible from beginning to end. All right, look at them pelican fly. Second actor that's in all these is Diane Keaton. Mm. Okay, she's awesome. I just love her. She's in both my favorite drama, The Godfather, and in my favorite one of my favorite comedies, Annie Hall. We all know Diane Keaton as being a big Woody Allen actress for the, most of the seventies. Right. We're talking, you know, interiors, Manhattan sleeper. But I mean, she's got this great offhanded, natural delivery. She's quirky. She's funky. She's really good. I just always liked her. Mm. Um, she's also iconic for movies like uh, Reds, Baby Boom, Father of the Bride. It's a good one.
0: I do like Father of the Bride.
1: And she dated like all of her and co And Father of the
0: Bride part two, actually. Is it's, it's not terrible. Clip.
1: She dated all of her co-stars. Mm. She dated Woody, she dated Warren Beatty, she dated Al Pacino, like but she never got married and she doesn't like plastic surgery. I respect that. Yeah. I respect it. I do too. I always liked her.
0: La di da, la di da la la yeah.
1: number three, Talia Shire. <laughs> I have nothing to say about her except yo Adrian. You only know her from the Rockies. That's it. She was nominated for a Best Actress Award for the first Rocky, justified in my opinion. Right. And is terrible in every other Rocky movie. Yeah.
0: Yeah, she's good in the first Rocky movie. And she
1: kind of stinks in everything else. Yeah. You got, here's a rare one, Richard Bright as Al Neary is in all three of these movies. I love Al Neary. I do too. All right, I explained his history a little bit. He was in The Ref. With Dennis Leary played uh, Dennis Leary's alcoholic partner. Yes he did. Yes he did. I think he's most Which
0: I didn't realize until the third movie when I went, Holy shit, that's fucking Murray is his yeah. name in the movie. Yeah, I think that, that's a Also thing- another holiday favorite of my family. It's a good movie. I, yeah, like I love it. the ref. Richard Bright was in a
1: lot of things, Marathon Man looking for Mr. Goodbar, once upon a time in America. Red Heat with Schwarzenegger.
0: Oh, I've seen that. Yeah. Is that with Belushi? Yeah. And the final actor
1: that was in all five, and there's nothing to be said about her at all, is Tom Hagen's wife, an actress named Terry Lerano. She's got tiny parts in all three movies, doesn't do anything, and has never been in another movie. But I mean, she's part of the big five that have been in all of them. I think it's worth mentioning just big names. that I'm not going to mention them in the breakdowns. Right, Brando, of course. Notorious fucking weirdo in real life we're talking Streetcar we're talking Waterfront we're talking Tango in Paris the guy's been in a lot of famous movies but has also been in Don Juan Marco and The Island of Dr. Moreau as many good movies as he's been in he's been in some real clunkers at the end of his career
0: yeah I don't know if you liked him in Superman but I mean he's barely in it you do not remember me I'm jor I'm your father
1: I'm also going to mention Jimmy Kahn, James Kahn as well. He was in a couple of big movies in the 70s. You're talking Funny Lady with Barbara Streisand and Rollerball. And he actually retired in a part of the 80s because his sister died of leukemia or something. Hmm. But then he was in like Alienation and Misery and the program. But he came back because he needed the money. He went bankrupt. You might remember him, Scott, from Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Why would I remember him I don't from know. Cloudy it seemed, with a Chance of like Meatballs? Seems like a movie you'd
0: have seen. L- right. just listen to the name of that film that's in- <laughs> insane i would never watch a movie called that you're not going to mention elf for james con i'm not going to mention i elf. mean we're right here i mean you're christmas right. holiday Presumably has passed uh, right, when uh, this right. is coming yeah. out. He was an elf too. I didn't. I didn't write down. And why, he's quite good.
1: Why didn't I write down Elf? I but I did write down Mickey Blue Eyes, <laughs>
0: <laughs> which I like. I really think it's underrated. Funny mafia ah, oh, movie. Oh man, I haven't thought about Mickey I Blue really, Eyes in a long. I
1: like that movie a lot. I'm sorry. Hey, forget about it. Forget about it. Forget no Oz. Forget about it. No, and I'll change the T's to D's. Okay. Hey, forget about it. It. Robert Duvall. OK, first role, Boo Radley and To Kill a Mockingbird. Right. Right. But I mean, MASH, Network, Apocalypse Now. The guy's been in a secondhand f- lions. Scott, <laughs> he's been in a ton of things. All right. Just You're right. So I'm sorry. many movies, Colors, Newsies, The Paper, The Apostle, five Academy Award nominations. Falling Down. John Q. Oh, that's right. I forgot he's in John it's, it's Q. It's terrible. And the final actor I think worth mentioning is going to be Robert De Niro. Okay. We'll talk about him more at length when we get to meet the parents. He's a trilogy superstar. I mean, he's iconic, of course. He won the Academy Award and he's considered one of America's greatest actors of all time.
0: But for some reason, in The Irishman, I just want to say, because I had just recently watched The Irishman before yeah. watching The Godfather, it seems like he forgot how to speak Italian in between. Like he's speaking it, but like he's lost all the accent where he's like, bone. Just bone. Just bread. <laughs> Il pana. Bone. Like, there's no Italian accent. It's just De Niro saying words.
1: You know, I love De Niro. I love him. But what I hate about De Niro is the fact that he he can't ever, like, deliver a speech or read off of anything. Like, whenever he's on Saturday Night Live, he's terrible and can't read a cue card. Whenever he's got to speak extemporaneously, he can't seem to put words together. Unless you give that guy a script, he's inept.
0: That's what I'm saying. You would think that if you knew that about yourself though that you would be like, "All right, let me come in Friday." We'll get to De Niro eventually. Well, right. Muller's done now, so we're we'll never yeah. see him on SNL good, good again, point. so. All
1: right. So, that's my information, all right? I know it was a lot. I hope you absorbed it. And I think this is going to bring us to the end of part 1 of The Godfather trilogy, Scott. Il Intermissione. Yes, thank you for the Italian. Ladies and gentlemen, please join us for the second part of the Godfather trilogy. The exciting conclusion. All right, we're going to get into the funny stuff, into the little details that we thought were funny. For me, movies that I love, I have a tendency to be even more critical towards because I love them so much. So it's like you're making fun of a friend, you know what I mean? And you're
0: nitpicking. You're nitpicking. So turn the record over and uh, start playing... The second half I'm Vin I'm Scott And check us out On of course Instagram and
1: Twitter We're not going to give you The whole rundown now But um We're there And we're We are there We're
0: doing shit <laughs> It's the most base way Of explaining what we do Sweet Sweet tomato
1: <laughs>